0: And we are so excited to bring to you part two of Warren Davies, The Unbreakable Farmer. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, make sure you go back and listen to the first part of this rather tragic, heroic, and incredibly empathetic story of this remarkable man who's used his own breakpoint to indeed make a change and now share that with the world. And we look forward to this week sharing with you the second part of this amazing story. If you if you had your time over Warren, and you were back in those situations, what is the magic wand? What is it? What would you say to someone who's? We know that this country is 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 absolutely ferociously under attack, if you like, with fires and floods and hailstorms and so many things. Just here on the Sunshine Coast, we were just yeah. hit with a horrific storm that is wiped out macadamia crops and yeah. has wiped out beautiful farmers work of years and years of work and in, in one 20 minute downpour how what what's your words of advice or how would we support those people
2: it's it's a really it's really hard and it's really challenging um and i can say that as a i still believe it, at heart i'm a farmer <laughs> but when like i You know, went to Texas the other week, and you know it was uh, like I words can't even describe what it was like. Um, It was, uh, it was terrible, and and uh, and and I've been lucky enough to to have spoken in a lot of the places like Gleninus, and you know, places that have been affected by the bushfires now, and, and understand how that happened because it was just so diabolically dry in the middle of winter. And without rain, it was you know it was gonna happen, and it had to have happened at some stage because you know it was just that tinder dry, and it's just hard to to know what to say. But it's I think the biggest word I think the word is empathy, um, and even if you haven't been a farmer, is just be empathetic to someone's situation. And the only you know at the end of the day, the harshest, harshest thing that I can say to a farmer is that it's only a business and, you know, a hailstorm, a flood, a drought, whatever, um, you know, they're just parts of business but that's very harsh because as I've already explained that it's more than a business, it's your whole life. And for some people, you know, that I've spoken, you know, they're fourth, fourth generations on the same farm. They were born in the house that they live in and this sort of stuff and to be faced with the same stuff that I was faced with is is really hard. Um, I was actually just watching something on landline of a guy at Stanthorpe. He's you know been growing fruit there for years and ran out of water in May. His trees haven't had water since since May, and he's employed a heap of backpackers just to go and knock all the fruit off the trees to hopefully save his trees. Well, you know there was three times during his conversation on the on the tally with the with the reporter, where he was in tears. Like it's hard stuff. Like it's and and it's really hard to know what to do. It's a real challenge. You know, I, was, I sat on a plane for two hours flying up to Brisbane to drive out to Te- and then the you know the three or four four hours drive out to Texas, thinking, really, what am I what am I doing here? You know, how am I going to be able to support these people? And I think it's just sharing your story. And even though most of the people are going through the same story just to hear that someone else has been through it and they've survived and it gives them maybe that glimmer of hope that, you know, you just, you know, know, it might all look doom and gloom but at the end of the day, you know, you do come out the other side. You know, it's really hard to know what words to say, you know, about support because, look, Financial support is really good. Government's getting behind, you know, people raising money and all that, but it's just the problem is the the situation is so big, you know, and I know myself, the first psychologist I ever went and seen, they summed up my, their prognosis was summed up in 10 minutes. They said, we know what your problem is. It's financial stress. Here's a couple of vouchers. They gave me two vouchers that were their value was two hundred and fifty dollars. Now I'm not being um, you know, ungrateful. I was grateful for those, but the day prior to the, my my psychologist appointment, I just bought a load of grain to feed my cows. It cost me 15 and a half grand. So two hundred and fifty bucks wasn't really gonna solve my financial stress. So to you know. Uh, just, the, I think the biggest thing, and you know, one of the things that really was really sh- shone home to me in Texas, because they're right on the border of New South Wales and Queensland, they're they are in no man's land, and you know, just to know, be recognized that they're there. Um, and that they are doing it hard and, and with it whether you support them by visiting their town and spending some money or or whatever it is, um, you know, they're the things that are important. I think that I think that comes back to really that basic, you know, connection thing. There's there's seems in Australia like I know when we left Melbourne, when I was a fifteen year old kid, I think most people knew someone on a farm. That's kind of over the last thirty odd oh, years has now dissipated where you know I've done a couple of talks in primary schools in Melbourne just to try and get that country city connection back and going because kids in some kids that were in that class one of those classes that didn't even realize that milk didn't come from a carton you know and you know that wool didn't grow on a tree Um, all those sort of things that people have lost that connection I think just understanding that and understanding you know I think that farmers have been painted with this really bad outlook because of lots of things that are going on in the political environment and activism and all this sort of stuff, but farmers are just people like you and me. Um, They're just trying to earn a living and they're doing it the best way that they can do. Um, And most of the stuff they're doing is, you know, generations are old and it's not going to change overnight if if people believe it's wrong. Well, it's not going to change just by the snap of a finger, and that's adding pressure to all these communities as well, as well as the drought. Uh, you know, so we, we we need to just be empathetic to people's situations, get back to being, you know, human, and have care and genuine care for each other.
1: You know, one of the things that look um, oh, there's so much going on because of the fires and the drought and 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 all of that, and and There is some blame being thrown around, you know, is it the greenies? Some people are blaming the farmers and their farming methods. Um, You know, your silent partner, Mother Nature, it would have, would there have been a drought? I've been listening to this guy that was saying that there's a 172-year cycle and we are in the drought part of the 172-year cycle and it was predicted back in the 20s that it would hit around 2008, maybe it was later, I can't remember, but um, how do farmers feel when townies get up in arms about the chemicals they're using, um, the the farming practices, the antibiotics used on animals? How do farmers feel about that?
2: Well, farmers are... I think farmers are the most proactive um, acceptors of change that you know of out of everybody, out of any industry in Australia. I reckon, like dairy farmers in particular, they're one of the biggest uptakers of technology in the world. Um, just because you know that's you know trying to get better. So farmers are always looking for the best way to do things, and a lot of what happens is just painted by external, you know, external um, forces of, you know, of this. This is what farmers do. Like, I can tell you right now, the stuff that you see around animal um, welfare that you see, like, I don't know how people get the film and all that sort of stuff that they get, but they you know, I've worked on lots of farms and never seen anything ever happen on farms like what you see on those things like you know and there's things that you have to like there's things that happen on on farms and that's that's the business and and it's working and people have changed the way just over the, over the last 30 years have changed the way they've done and they're always trying to adapt and because one of the biggest things is that you're supplying a market that demands this stuff so you're always trying to to better you you know better what you're doing um and you're always trying to find the best practice your best practice
1: yeah i went to a an amazing it was called um agvention yeah and it was put on by boss rural a rural boss i can never remember which one it was up in kandanga up in queensland and we had um, some pretty interesting people coming and speaking and one of them was a gentleman um, called, and his business was called Providence and he had figured out and got in Victoria, I think it was, not New South Wales or was it northern? It was either southern New South Wales or northern Victoria. And it was New South Wales, sorry. He had figured out how to take the abattoir and this was a big truck the abattoir to the farm, so that the yeah. cattle could be
2: less yeah. yeah, how cool is he? I've seen that. These yeah. these, these purpose-built vans, or like, or it's a big unit that rolls onto the farm, and they set up, and it's like a yeah abattoir. Yeah. So no. all these things are happening all the time, like, a, and that's the thing that people don't see. And 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 I suppose the end thing is all these all anyone that you know. There's obviously things that would shock townies on a farm. I'm not going to walk away from that. That's, that's just because farming is um, farming, both to humans as well as animals, you know. But the thing is, is that unless you've been there and, and lived it and experienced it, how do you know? Like you're only taking second or third or fourth hand information and saying, well, that's right. Well, no one does that. Does in anything in your life, you want to know the information for yourself. So do you go and get that information yourself or are you just relying on, you know, this so most of it's hearsay that's in the media? That's what you're... And look, that's happening between farmers. The Murray-Darling Basin Plan is a big example of that in our area that, you know, farmers on the downstream side of the Murray-Darling Basin are pointing the fingers to the north end to the cotton growers yeah. and blaming, <laughs> blaming them. Listen, I've crossed the Condamine River countless times in the last 18 months. Mm. In my speaking travels, I've never seen water in it once and it's got nothing to do with pumping. It's got to do with the worst drought in history. So if water's not running into the Condamine River at the top end of the Murray-Darling Basin, how do you expect water to run out the bottom end? And that's just simple hydraulics. Like it's just... And so, and the, but the thing with the Murray Darling Basin Plan is now tearing rural communities apart. Where now rural communities are, are in fighting because of that sort of stuff, instead of, you know, being, as I say, my, my one of my biggest things that I talk about is com- being connected to community because within community, the power of that community is shared wisdom we've all travelled a journey, we've all collected wisdom along the way, we need to be sharing that wisdom to be able to find solutions to the problems that we face on a global scale.
1: It's interesting because we're seeing this farmer pitted against farmer, blame, not taking responsibility. We don't only just see it in the farmers, we're seeing it in mothers at the moment, you know, the the mother pitted against the mother in, in the vaccine wars. Like I'm seeing it all the time. And I just think, what are we doing? We have all have wisdom. We all understand, um, you know, our, our children, we all understand our land. We understand what we've done and how we've done it. And if we can all work together as, and, and perhaps work against the multinationals that, I think, are the, the the ones that are firing up the people. So I look at, um, you know, in farming and I look at the genetically modified seeds and I look at the chemicals that are being used from chlorpyrifos to glyphosate to, par- what's it, para- paraquat or something like that. And that's just three of the many chemicals that are being used. But what's happening is the farmers are almost in, Um, uh, they're in like a frozen state because they know what is right but this is the road they've been told to go down and to go back to the way that they know is the right thing to do is hard so then the farmer fights the farmer as opposed to the farmers getting together and saying how can we do this as a community how can we make change and I'm starting to see it uh, in, a, in the community of farmers called the Regenerative Farming Group. And I watch them support each other and help each other. And, you know, they have, um, even though their communities may not be next door to each other, they're within that community of uh, and under the umbrella of Regen Farming. And I see them helping. I see farmers travelling like you're travelling and, you know, speaking with them and going into communities. and. I think they feel the same way as you, One is that what am I doing here? How am I going to help these people? But you've experienced it. They've experienced it and they know that. And I I just wish we would see um, a collaboration of communities, not only in farming but in parenting and in um, education and in even in, in daycare. Daycare has become really expensive and I've heard about parents um, in... Um, the Sunshine Coast region, like a thousand families that are all helping each other because daycare prices are so expensive, kids get sick in daycare, and oh, and the and the scenario goes on. So, what you're bringing up for me, Warren, is a worldwide crisis, not just a farming crisis, where we need to come back to community and look away from the world and what's happening in the world and come back to our community, which then comes back to the individual looking after themselves, feeding themselves properly, making sure they've got that resilience, giving themselves some mental health time, um, having family time, going and having family dinners together, uh, working within their community, working as a community that helps each other out. Like, Like I'm from a farming background, so my um, uncles, my grandparents, my great-grandparents were all farmers and um, they were community farmers. They helped each other out. When there was weeding to be done, they'd go and all weed and farm together. When there was harvest to be done, they'd go harvest together. But farming these days has become something very isolated. Parenting these days has become something very isolated. And I think what you're doing, and talking about community and getting back into it. So, can we go there now? Can you tell us what the Unbreakable Farmer is doing, and what's your purpose, and how you're helping people?
2: Yeah, just uh, just on that point, I just before I I tell you what my mission is, is that I actually I did a lecture for Melbourne Uni um, the other night in Wangaratta to to a room full of health professionals and 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 that's what I said I think and this is around mental health but it applies to everything is that if i are waiting for the government or for some magic wand to fix these things you know the state of whatever you know whatever the situation is to, to rectify it it's not going to happen we need to come back to the grassroots and, and build it from the community and upwards instead of Coming from the top down, we need to build it from the community up and, and build resilience in those communities to be able to rise instead of waiting for someone to fix. Um, that's, and that's what I, I said to the, like these health professionals, we, we need to build this from our own communities. we need to be building you know, uh, more mentally healthy, resilient communities from the grass level, not the grassroots level, not from, from above kind of thing. so
1: couldn't agree more. We yeah. have to start from the ground up, a grassroots movement and because the government, they're over their heads.
2: <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah. think and they it, really
1: know it. what they're doing anymore. I just think but communities do.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know what's happening in your community so that's where it's got to to mm. be built from. But uh, my mission, what the Unbreakable Farm Rule is all about is... Um, is a three-part mission and the first part is around creating awareness and education around mental health and well-being and particularly in regional and rural communities because that's where I come from. That's what I'm passionate about and I, and I actually see it in my own community so then to go to even more remote communities and work, it's, it can only be exacerbated by you know, the tyranny of distance and isolation. So that's my first part of my mission. The second part is to inspire conversations, to get people actually talking about this stuff. You know, not making it a, a taboo subject. And and particularly, um, I don't ever, I don't particularly, you know, focus my talks as as uh, you know, men's only talk. I I talk more about community community wellbeing instead of men's mental health wellbeing. It's more of community. Um, you know, to inspire those conversations, to get people talking and particularly the blokes in those communities to be able to connect with, you know, their partners and their families and, that, and be able to share how they're feeling and, and not feel that that's a sign of weakness. Um, it's actually a sign of strength and courage. And my third part of my mission is, um, is to enable people to seek help in a safe environment um, and free from stigma. And and those three things, um, those three things are kind of my three lessons that I learnt from my journey in a, in a way, shape, or form. And you know, so they they're um, you know, and they're pretty universal. It doesn't necessarily have to relate to your mental health and wellbeing. It just happens that that's my story and that's what I share. But um, you know, back create awareness and it's some education around whatever it is, and then you know. Inspire conversations about it and then enable people to seek help if they need to.
1: Yeah, I, th- I agree with you. That's very universal. I was listening to a person that I've watched for 10 years. Um, he's quite an educated um, person out of um, Harvard University. And his thing to get well, health wise, was to create awareness and education, inspire people to. Um, not only have conversations about it but to have have change by doing it step by step um, and doing it in a safe environment without stigma. So it was like he just repeated exactly what he said and I, I'm sure you've never heard him say that before. No, never. He's never heard you say it before. Yeah. But he, he was talking about autoimmune disease and how it's become, you know, something that's huge in in health so I I'm, I just love your mission and I love those three parts awareness and education inspire conversation and enable people to seek help in a safe environment without stigma have you got a website
2: yeah so it's www au or you can catch me on Facebook as well okay well
0: Warren I just would love to ask you you're going into schools you're going into farming communities with this three um, pronged pillar which I absolutely love and I just I'd love you to share with us the story of the young woman who um, you and I spoke about this and Cindy you'll appreciate this but for many people whether you're a parent whether you're a teacher whether you're a friend whether you're a coworker sharing our story, sometimes we have no idea of the impact that it can actually have. And unless somebody tells you what your story's done for them, you may never know. And not that we need to know, but I think sometimes when you get feedback, particularly with the story that you shared, um, it just makes you realise, and I would imagine for you too, Warren, it's what keeps you going.
2: Yep, that's, that's the, the real driver um, uh, for me, Um it's something that I've come to learn like so as you evolve as a speaker or as you start sharing you you learn things along the way and you know when I first started speaking I had my had not the courage to share my mental health journey it was more about persistence resilience resilience persistence and determination some of the stuff that I or you know those three um, things that I needed to be able to negotiate my farming journey didn't have the the courage to share my mental health journey. It was only until I started sharing some of that that I started getting more speaking gigs. And then, you know, 10% of my speaking, my my um, presentation was made up of my mental health journey and then all of a sudden to, to what it's evolved to now where it's basically all intertwined into the, the story that I share. But one of the biggest things that I've learnt um, by, by going out and sharing my story is that, that there's power in storytelling. And and when I first started on this journey and the facilitator or my mentor told me that, you know, there's power in your story and I'm thinking, yeah, oh, sure, mate, who'd want to listen to me? Um, I now realise that you can have an impact. And without, I, I share this story um, without trying to pump, um, in my no, no way, shape or form, trying to pump my own tyres, it's just a, purely illustrate the power of sharing your story. And what happened is I was speaking at an event and um, after that event a girl come and um, touched me on the elbow and said, can I have 10 minutes of your time? And it was first time it's ever, uh, really someone had come up after me and engaged straight after a talk. Um, it happens more and more now. Um and, and this story that I'm telling now, I could have told about a story that happened two weeks ago with the same sort of scenario. But this girl come up and she actually was not even at the presentation. She was only a, a waiter at the dinner. And anyway, I, I, I got there. Um, after I um, had finished talking to a group of people, I went and sat down on the stage with this girl. And anyway, she shared her story and with me. And the number one lesson that I learnt straight off the bat was this girl was fifteen years old and I had kids at similar ages that the biggest lesson that I learnt is not necessarily your kids aren't necessarily gonna come and talk to you about how they're feeling. That was my biggest straightaway aha lesson that I learnt from 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 this um, conversation that I had. But as the conversation unfolded it was the young girl was sharing her story with me and it was similar to mine. Um, you know, she was struggling with her mental health. She'd been bullied at school, so forth and so on, and I kept going. And um, at the end of that, I was pretty chuffed with myself, to be totally honest, you know, a bit of a pat yourself on the back kind of um, moment. And um, I gave her a hug and I said, look, if there's anything I can do to help you, please reach out. And, and contact me and from that day really we've, we've really not had any um, conversations since that day but one thing that happened the next morning as I was leaving um, to fly back home her mum messaged me uh, on Facebook and just thanked me for spending some time with her with her daughter and you know, explained how she'd come home and she was all enthusiastic and that she, her mood had changed dramatically and I thought, oh, that's pretty special. And then her mum actually shared a little bit more about her story and this this girl was in a pretty bad way um, with her mental health. And and, we, and this was about two years ago and we'd been in constant contact, her mum and I, you know, just checking in with each other every now and again, making sure, if, you know, she'd check in and make sure I was okay <laughs> and, you know, I'd make sure um her daughter was okay and then i lost contact with them for a couple of months and what had happened is the young girl actually ended up in in a hospital in the mental health clinic um and she was there for quite a while for seven weeks and she was just lucky that she had her family around her to support her and recognize the signs and um you know make sure that she got that that support and and lucky for the for the young girl she um she come out of the hospital and then integrated back into school, but I think that the most powerful part of this story, and as I said, I don't say it to, to pump my own tires up; it's to to demonstrate this point. Um, and it was again, I was flying to Queensland to go and speak, and the um, for Are You Okay Day, and the and the mum messaged me again and, and said, "I just want to let you know that." Um, my daughter's going to be standing up in front of 500 of her school friends tomorrow for Are You OK Day and sharing her story. And for me, as a speaker, that was the ultimate compliment because she was, by standing up and sharing her story, she was actually paying my story forward, which was, well, you know, as I said, a total compliment. Once I got back um, a couple of days later, the young girl sent me the video of, of her talk and that was very brave. Um, she stood there, she, and knowing that there was kids in the audience that were the bullies, um, that you know, were the kids that she'd been struggling with, was a was a was a, a real challenge um, for her to do. But I was so proud proud of her. And I was there. I was at a time I've been speaking for about two years, and I was kind of in this mindset of you know, you know, I wasn't making much money yet. Out of it, you know, is this going to be sustainable? Are anyone, is anyone really listening? And she sent me a one-line little text that that, that changed everything on its head for me. And and now that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. And that little line said, oh, "If I never, if I never heard you share your story, Warren, I could have never shared mine." And I had a little red love heart. And that was that was my tipping point. That was you know I know that I'm on the right path. I've found my purpose and I've refound my identity. And that's I've pushed forward. The real kicker of that story was the next day at school, ten kids went to the school counsellor. So the power of the storytelling is not only. Did she share my story forward but 10 kids went and paid her story forward by going and seeking help? And and I think that's really important and and that comes down to that part of my my mission about inspiring conversations because, as I said, we've all got a story and all our stories are unique to us. They might be travelling a similar path to somebody else but it's your unique story. And within that, there's some wisdom that you need to share and... And as I said, my facilitator said um, to me when I said I didn't think I had a, or my new talk, when I, I didn't have a, uh, a story to share, they said, well, how could you be so um, so selfish and not share your story? And I think that's really important. Part of that storytelling is, you know, we need to share stories because we, we can, you know, make a difference by sharing those stories and and that's really a driver of mine now.
1: You know, Warren, it's so true what you just said about sharing stories. If you think about how did um, information get passed down when we didn't have writing tools or computers and things like that, it was by storytelling. You know, the Australian Aboriginal people had the dream time uh, and we could go through every culture in the world and it was all all by stories, so, and we've lost the art of storytelling. We give information. We don't tell a story, and I, like, I think that is so good. I'm wondering if you have another amazing story like that last one that is inspiring and can help people through whatever they might be going through. Do you have a, another one that comes to mind?
2: I'm oh, just trying to think. <laughs> oh, it's probably... Another story that I share, and it's, it's particularly around—it's—it's a, a, it's a really a far, farming kind of of thing because I was lucky enough to speak at a big conference, and whenever I get up on stage, I always make a bit of a disclaimer and, or like a disclaimer, and always make sure that people understand that I'm not a professional, um, as in a professional a medical person, I'm not a social worker, I'm not a counsellor, um, you know, social worker or any of those sort of things, I'm, I'm just me sharing my lived experience and I always say if people feel uncomfortable because I said some of the content will be challenging, um, they can leave the room by giving, and, and, but as they leave, can they give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down just on how they're feeling and if obviously it's a thumbs down, I'll have one of my my gatekeepers, if not myself, will chase you out of the room. Now, after I did this big talk at this big conference, this guy came up to me and he was about six foot six. I'm um, about six foot three, so he was taller than me, big bloke, um, and he was 67 years old. And he called me every name under the sun. He come up to me and he said, You're up, and you're up, and you're, up, and, you're up. and I said, Hey, oh. just a second. Hold your horses, what's going on? He goes, I'm George. I said, G'day, George, how are you, mate? He goes, yeah, look, I come from way out the back of, he was way out somewhere in central Queensland. Big, burly, resilient farmer. And he said, and once again he said, you're an efferent. And I said, Rightio, righty what's going on? He said, you know that bit right at the start where you said, if um, you trigger anything or I feel uncomfortable, I'm to stand up and walk out of the room and give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I said, yeah, yes, yep. What's going on, Georgie? He said, well, how the hell was I meant to stand up in front of 600 people and walk out of the room and give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down because they all would have known that I was struggling. And I said, mate, that's the whole point of it. We need to not be so um, ashamed of how we're feeling. He said, so I just had to sit there and bow my head and I cried most of the way through your talk. And I said, but, mate, you know, that's what it was all about. Um, you know, if you felt uncomfortable, get up and look out of the room and you're not going to be judged by that. He said, yeah, but I'm one of the best farmers in the district and if everyone, anyone knew that I was struggling, well, that's not really good for me you know for me persona in the community or whatever the words he used and i said well mate that's what it's all about we're all struggling we just need to identify it and make sure that we seek and help and have conversations so i said here do me a favor i said you've come and told me that now so go and grab a beer and go and tell the three mates that were sitting with you and sure enough he did he went and told them because they come up talk, talk to me afterwards and said that he'd shared his story with them so once again that power of storytelling, but. Here he is, this big, gruff, tough, resilient farmer. And look, and he'd hidden that story. He hadn't shared it. And the thing is, that's the power of sharing those stories. Like he was just, you know, but here he was blaming me because here I made him feel uncomfortable, got him, you know, tears were flowing down his eyes. And he said, but he couldn't stand up and make, you know, face the, the crowd by standing up. And I said, well, but that's what it's all about. If we all support each other, we can all help each other um, through whatever we're going through.
1: Yeah.
0: A powerful, powerful tool, isn't it? It and, is. You know, both Cindy and I have had a, we've shared the same business coach and one of the stories he talks about is the law of procession, um, which is for every action there is a reaction at a 90-degree angle. Often we don't even know about it. And the example he gives is every morning the bee gets up to go, and most people, when I ask the audience, what does the bee think when it wakes up? Everyone says to go and get pollen, but the bee doesn't wake up thinking it's going to go and get pollen. The bee wakes up every day to go and get nectar to bring back to the hive. And in the process of collecting nectar, his beautiful hairy little legs or hers get full with pollen and he cross-pollinates, germinates and creates life. Um, and the bee doesn't even know it. So he calls that your true purpose and as much as I'm really sorry that you and many, many farmers have to endure these hardships, um, I do believe that your story and the power of you telling your story, your true purpose is whilst you think it's storytelling, I think Warren we could safely assume that your true purpose is saving lives and giving hope and again I say that I know you'd find that hard to hear because I know you're an incredibly humble man but... I think it could be the same with Cindy, Karen, and myself and every other practitioner and person out there willing to share their story. Uh, Every mum, every teacher, every parent, every person out there, every dad. If we can continually share that conversation and the story of the good and the not-so-good and together find ways where we can come together and create that shared wisdom through connection and communication, then indeed our true purpose could be greater than we could ever imagine.
2: Yeah. And and look, and I've I've taken one of your stories from your talk to just to clarify One of my feelings that and you know, I think you you spoke about Danny when he used to put the key into the hotel door room everywhere when he was off touring or commentating or whatever, and felt like it was opening a prison cell. And that's one of the things I still struggle with when I do my traveling and get to stay with some of the places that I get to stay and I haven't got my family with me, and that's what it feels like for me, but it helped clarify that for oh, I'm not the only person that feels like this <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's this because of that that's that story so you know and we can connect with stories because we can relate to them and whether people I stand up and why I share my story in its entirety as in the growing up bit and then the farming bit and then the, you know, the unbreakable farmer part is that someone's going to relate somewhere along the way, whether it's you know, as that kid or as that fella on the footy field or as that farmer or that person in business or whatever it is, someone's going to relate somewhere along the line to your story and take what they can from that story. Um, It doesn't necessarily be in its whole entirety but there might be one or two points that they pick up Mm -hmm. um, out of this story that, you know, can change the way they look at something.
0: I agree and it's through the power of turning up to those talks and inspiring your friends and family, if any of them are going through a tough time, to show up to these talks. I mean, nothing gets waved magically over you to take your pain away and My true belief also is that we have to participate in this to go through. You've got to feel it to heal it, but you also have to actively participate. And that takes discipline and guts. And sometimes you may need other people to support you to create that discipline and that guts or be that person's supporter. But I think what you've opened up here is a massive conversation, not only for farmers, but perhaps that's the metaphor for for all of humanity. Um, to get back to those grassroots community, community, community. And that community can just be in your home, can't it? That community could just yeah. be in your school classroom. Um, there are so many ways that we each can contribute. And here's the other thing that I've picked up from you along the way as well is that uh, my daughter actually said it um, at, when I invited her up on stage and I said to her, if you could offer one piece of advice um, to to this audience around, um, staying above the line and being accountable, responsible and taking ownership, no matter what's going on in your world, what would it be? And her words were, I think you've got to remember sometimes and most of the time, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. Yeah. Now I get for farmers, it could be a bad year. So yeah. I'm not trying to underplay that. Please don't ever think I'd do that. But I, I do believe that everything, as Cindy's alluded to, is cycles. And I think one of the greatest things by you sharing your story, I think this is going to go beyond farmers as you're probably already doing, as you talked about with the Melbourne University. Yeah. Just one other thing, Warren, before we wind up, and I know this has been an extra long podcast, but I think it's been incredibly poignant and profound. Um, one of the things that you and I had the privilege of speaking for was the Love Me, Love You organisation, could you just tell us a little bit about that and how your work and, and work that we've done is helping young people?
2: Yeah, so um, luckily for the Love Me, Love You Foundation, that yeah, well, I'm, I'm firstly lucky to be involved with the, the Love Me, Love You Foundation and, and that helps me be able to, um, I suppose, continue my talk my my speaking into schools where I'm able to facilitate a program that's been you know accredited by the government and by um, beyond blue etc um, as a as a, a you know a good program to you know with um, sustainable outcomes and that that needs to be you know all these boxes that need to be ticked off um, to be able to present in schools or or workplaces or, or wherever that might be. And um, I met Lance, who's the, the CEO, um, a couple of years back and we, we uh, he asked if I could you know, take up the role of regional manager with the Love Me Love You Foundation and, and, and so I did. And as I said, that gets me into schools um, and so forth um, around Australia and I, and I use that as well, you know, in my own... Um, you know, like when I went to Texas, I spoke at, you know, five or six farmer events, but I also did a couple of schools while I was there. So, you know, if I'm away from home, I try and fill my days up. So I'll go and um, speak at schools. I'm off to Sydney um, tomorrow to do a, 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 an agricultural event tomorrow, on Wednesday, but I'm speaking at um, the Scots College in Sydney speaking to 200 Year 10 boys on Thursday. So I'm lucky that I get to, I've got that flexibility, and Love Me, Love You has um, given me that flexibility to be able to speak. But um, lucky that that event that, that, that you spoke at, that um, Liz Sefton and had organised it, um, and Liz had asked us to come on board as the charity partner to that event because um, Liz had lost her brother to suicide. 27 years ago and um, my brother Frank was a fellow who I played footy with and I knew reasonably well and I know the ripple effect that his suicide had in our community at that time was, um, was huge. So to come on board as a charity partner to that was fantastic. We raised a, a lot of money from that event and that's enabled me over the last um, you know four or five months to, to go to numerous schools. Um, and present our our programs um, free of charge to those schools um, to be able to get that the program into those schools. And I've also done, uh, you know, a, 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 even simple backyard barbecue events with a group of fellas and, you know, they're struggling with a few things as well. So um, wide and varied um, things that I've been able to do just from that one event. So, yeah, once again, the... The power of community coming together has done good, and um, you know, and we're ongoing. We've um, uh, I did a, a couple of events at schools just recently. and have got a few booked in for next year. All um, come from that one event, so um, I'm, I'm very grateful that that Liz wanted to do that, and and obviously um, through that I met you, Kim, and um, you know, and I think that work that we've been able to to do together as a group has had some good outcomes in our
0: communities oh, I feel incredibly privileged and to Liz Sefton absolutely she's a gem indeed and I'm very grateful for the work she does down in that area in Atuka and Kaiabram and Shepparton it's it's incredible it's an amazing community down there how many people turn up to the events that you and I speak at down there as opposed to the big cities is quite extraordinary so shout out to that beautiful area as well um, Warren, is there one, any last message you would have for any of our listeners? Is there anything you'd like to finish or anything we haven't covered
2: off? I think probably just finish off the way that I finish all my talks off. I know um, they, uh, with my three lessons, which align with my mission and the number one um, lesson that I learnt, so my lessons came from my probably my biggest failures. Um, and number one lesson is that communication is key. Um, we need to have those conversations, those sometimes tough conversations with each other. Um, they're vitally important. Communicating with each other is, is, is vitally important. The second lesson is about staying connected. And that's where that, you know, that power of community, that staying connected to your community. And as you said um, doesn't matter what that is to you, whether it's your family, your, your sporting group, your tennis club, whatever it is, or your broader community. Or um, It's like sharing with uh, a lot of agricultural events that I do, even as an industry, that can be a community. We need to stay connected and, and keep sharing stories and, and sharing that wisdom um, to try and create some solutions. And thirdly, that, that lesson is, you know, Seek help, but at the same time, when you do seek that help, um, treat it seriously. Um, you know, especially around your mental health. Just because you haven't got a broken arm or a broken leg doesn't mean that it's any less more important. It's probably more important sometimes than your physical health is. Uh, is your mental health. So, um, I think they're the three things that I'd like to to leave people with.
0: Well, Cindy, can I ask you, knowing this extraordinary human that we've interviewed to today. Is there any one top takeaway for you from today?
1: Um, I, I, I've already said it, but um, my silent business partner was Mother Nature. Love that. <laughs> um, the mission, awareness and education inspire conversation and enable um, to help people to seek help in the safe environment. The power of story. I, there, i I, I could keep going because mm. I've gotten so much out of this podcast and or out of this interview and Kim has been talking about you, Warren, <laughs> or, or since the minute she met you, I'm sure of it, and we've been trying to interview you but we've just been off grid. Kim's been in France and I've been away and Karen's been away. So I feel very privileged that we finally got you and uh, I just think that this, is something that everybody needs to listen to because there's so many pearls of wisdom uh, within this um, this whole conversation that we've had. So thank you, Warren. Thank you so much for your time, number one, because I know, um, you know, you're away a lot and you're off to Sydney tomorrow. So thank
2: you. Yep. I oh, really appreciate the opportunity. I always, I always say that I'm always truly grateful with, um, someone wants to listen to my story because I know everyone's time is valuable and um, to take the time to actually listen um, to, to, to me, share my story. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, even if it's not yourself, that you can take something away from it. That if, if not help yourself, help someone that's close to you.
0: Yeah, I agree. As my gorgeous son said on stage when I asked him what it is, to be above the line and to he just turned around and he said to believe in yourself and if you can't find people who do and I think that's that's there's always someone who who loves you and would absolutely um, be devastated to think that you didn't reach out for help and I don't think it's a sign of weakness in the very least and perhaps for um, you know to take someone's call or cry for help seriously as well um, And sometimes I think Warren and Cindy, it might be don't think that the strong ones are always so strong. Sometimes they're the ones that uh, could do with a little R-U-I-K as well. And I think that's something that I've taken from your talk today as well. Um, But for all of our listeners, we hope that you have enjoyed this podcast as much as Cindy, Karen, pseudo Karen, and I have enjoyed bringing it to you today. I just want to reiterate uh, warren's uh, website theunbreakablefarmer.com.au if you're interested in the love me love you um, movement which is loveme loveyou.org.au and i apologize for all our international listeners i hope that you can find uh the beyondblue.org.au and lifeline.org.au um, also just because we have mentioned such such topics today just remember the lifeline Phone number is 131114. Um, I think on behalf of everybody, Warren, um, thank you for showing up, for being the person that you are and for having the guts to share your story. I cannot begin to tell you how much it's impacting lives and I feel very privileged to have had you on the show. Um, To all you beautiful souls out there, you farmers that are doing it hard, um, from our hearts to yours, I think we as a community can can speak volumes with where we spend our dollar and, of course, uh, with Christmas approaching. There's certainly a number of charities and foundations that I know that our farmers could do with, their, with your help. So please reach out, be a part of the bigger part of the conversation, which is to support thy neighbour and uh, to be the example by showing up with how we spend our dollar. Um, I've enjoyed this week hugely. Thank you very, very much, Warren, You're a remarkable human. We love the work that you're doing. Thank you. uh, To all our community, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have, bringing it to you. So for all of you, if you would like to place a comment or get in touch with Warren via us, remember you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. You can go to thefacebook.com forward slash up for a chat. You can place your questions and comments there and reach out to Warren specifically and particularly around the Love Me, Love You Foundation if you'd like to get him into your schools uh, so we can support more resilience, persistence and determination for our younger generations so that they can show up as all our generations before us have. So we'll look forward to seeing you next week where we can become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you then.